me to say the things you would have me to say, Lord, that you would help me to uh, do the things you'd have me to do, Lord, and that they would bring honor and glory to your name. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 29, and uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus, and if you remember last week, we discussed the priest garment, and in Exodus chapter 28, God went through and detailed for us what the priest garment was supposed to look like, and all of that, we studied that out in scripture. Tonight, we will see how they consecrated uh, the priest. If you look there at verse number 1, the Bible says, And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to, I want you to notice this word, hollow them to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish. And he begins to tell them that. But he says, uh, he says uh, Thou shalt do unto them to hollow them. That word hollow there means to consecrate. It means to make sacred. It means to set apart. Uh, that word hollow there comes from the same root word as the word holy. It, it means it's, it's set apart for God. And the Bible says uh, in verse 1, And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hollow them. He says, these are the things I want you to do to sanctify them, to consecrate them, to set them apart. He said, to make them different. Look at verse number 9. Skip down to verse number 9 real quick. It says, And thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them, and the priest's office shall be there, for a perpetual statue, and thou shalt, notice this word, consecrate Aaron and his son. So God is going through and explaining how it is that God wants these men to be consecrated, to be hollowed, to be made sacred, to be set apart. And you say, well, what, what is the application for us today? Why does it matter? Well, just real quickly, and I want to do this fast, okay? Keep your finger there in Exodus and go to uh, Revelation. Just real quickly, I've showed you these verses before, but I want to show them to you again. Because I want to make sure you understand them. The reason that these things are uh, important to us is because uh, you say, well, do they apply to us today? Well, if you are you there in Revelation, it should be pretty easy to find. Last book in the New Testament. Revelation chapter number 1. Look at verse number 5. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 5. The Bible says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us, notice what it says, hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you see that? The Bible says that God has made us kings and priests. That's right. You know, uh, you... Sometimes religions will teach, well, uh, we've got to go to the priest in order to uh, ask for forgiveness, or we got to go to the priest in order to, to get uh, atonement, or we got to go to the priest in order to speak to God. Hey, look, I don't need to go to a priest. I am a priest. The Bible says He had made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. And we're made priests. Now here's what you got to understand. And this might be a little more theological than you uh, want, but it's Bible study night. So I think that's good. But go real quickly to Hebrews, okay? Hebrews chapter 7. Just real quickly. Hebrews chapter number 7. If you're there in Revelation, go right uh, to the uh, left in your Bible. Go past uh, the book of James. And right before the book of James, you got the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. If you get into Ty, uh, Philemon, Titus, uh, Timothy, Thessalonians, all those, you went a little too far. Hebrews chapter number 7. And here's what I want you to understand. 
We've gone through Exodus, and we'll go through Leviticus, and we'll prove and teach about the Levitical priesthood. You say, what is the Levitical priesthood? Well, the Levitical priesthood is this. The fact that, if you remember, the Levites were chosen by God, and specifically, Aaron and his sons were chosen to become priests. And the only people that could be priests in the Bible were those who were of the tribe of Levi, specifically those who were born of Aaron. That's called the Levitical priesthood, or sometimes it's called the Aaronite priesthood, but the Levitical priesthood. Now, oftentimes people will have an issue with Jesus Christ, and they'll say, well, how is it that that you and I are made priests if we are not physical descendants of Levi, and specifically in the line of Aaron? Well, if you're there in Hebrews chapter number 7, look at verse number 1. Actually, uh, look at verse number 19 of chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6, look at verse 19, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even, who's the forerunner? Look what it says, Jesus made a high priest forever. Now here, now hold on a second, you say, well... We were made priests. We're made kings and priests through who? Remember Revelation 1? We're made kings and priests through Jesus Christ. We're made, we're, we don't have a Levitical priesthood. We have a, we're priests through Jesus. Now, then someone may ask this question. Well, Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah. Do you remember that? He was born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. Jesus was not a Levitical priest. So how is it that Jesus, we've talked about it a lot as I've been preaching through it, Jesus fulfilled the role of the high priest after His death, burial, and resurrection. How is it that He was a priest if He was not a Levite? Well, if you look at verse 20, it says... Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made he Jesus made a high priest forever. How was he made a high priest? After the order of Melchizedek. You say, who is Melchizedek? Well, keep reading. Look at chapter number seven, verse one. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. I want you to see this. Melchizedek was king of Salem. The word Salem there means peace, so he's king of peace. Priest of the Most High God, so he's the high priest of God. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And blessed him. Now keep your finger there in Hebrews 7, okay? Go real quickly and read Genesis chapter number... Uh, this isn't in my notes. I just thought about all this uh, when I was standing up here. So let me see if I can find it real quick. Genesis chapter number... Uh, let's see. Let's go to... Genesis chapter number 14, okay? Genesis chapter number 14, uh, this is all uh, extra, and I will charge you for it after the service. Genesis chapter number 14, look at verse number uh, 17. Now, if you remember the context of Genesis 14, remember Lot was taken, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, we had the first war in Genesis 14 where Sodom and Gomorrah were being taken by these kings, and Lot was taken captive. You remember, Abraham and his well-trained soldiers that were born in his house went out out and, and fought that battle and they, uh, they, they freed Sodom, they freed Gomorrah and, and really what they were doing was freeing Lot, but in that they freed all these other people and uh, look at verse number 17, uh, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. So the king of Sodom goes to meet Abraham Look at verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, 
And he was the priest of the Most High God. You see that? So he was the priest. Now look, Genesis, do you understand that Genesis is before Exodus? <laughs> you know, I know that's deep the, uh, theology right there. Genesis was before Exodus. Before there was a Levitical priesthood with Aaron, there was a, a priesthood of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of peace, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham. Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Look at verse 20. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, now it's referring to Abraham, gave him, referring to Melchizedek, I want you to notice this, tithes of all. So he tied to Melchizedek. Right? By the way, let me just say this. That proves, people say, tithing is part of the uh, law of Moses. And tithing is part of the law of Moses. It doesn't apply to Christians today. Well, this shows us that this, this was before Moses. Okay, Moses wasn't born to uh, uh, Exodus chapter 1. Right. Genesis 15 is before that. So we see that tithing is not included in that Levitical law or the law of Moses, if, if you will. But if you look at verse 21, it says, And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. So the king of Sodom said, Give me the persons and you take the goods. He's trying to pay him. He's saying, Look, you can have all the spoil. Just give me the people you rescued. You can have all the spoil. Uh, he's trying to pay him because Abraham just rescued him. The king of Sodom. Is Sodom and Gomorrah good or bad in the Bible? They're bad. So the king of Sodom represents a bad person, like the devil. Look at verse 22. I like Abraham's response. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from uh, a thread even to a shoe lashet, that, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham said, you know what? I don't want Sodom going around. I don't want the devil going around saying he made me rich. He said, keep your money. He said, I'll tie to Melchizedek and I'll be fine. Now here's what I'm just saying. The most high priest Melchizedek, prince of Sa- or king of Salem, king of peace, was the high priest of God before the Levitical priesthood. Now you got to ask this question. Go back to Hebrews chapter 7. You didn't, keep your, you didn't keep, uh, lose your place there, did you? Hebrews chapter 7, you say, who is Melchizedek? Well, if you look at verse number 1 of chapter 7, we got to get through this fast because i, I got to get back to Exodus 29. That's what we're preaching about. But I just want you to understand that. Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse 1. For this Melchizedek, a king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. We just read that in Genesis. Are you, are you with me? You're following that? Look at verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Do you see that? Abraham tied to Melchizedek. First being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, right? So he's the king of righteousness. And after that also, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Do you see that? So Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High God. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of Salem, which is, being inter- which is king of peace. Look at verse 3. We're talking about Melchizedek. It says about Melchizedek, verse 3, Without father, without mother... Without descent, the word descent there means like a lineage or the family he came from. So it says, Melchizedek was without a father, without a mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. So he didn't have a, a, a time when he had begun, and he doesn't have a time when he will end. Having neither beginning of end or, uh, or uh, beginning of days nor end of life. Look what it says, but made like unto the, who's that? Son of God. Abideth a priest continually. Do you see that? Now here's what I want you to say. The Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the Prince of what? Peace. And what does it refer to? 
Melchizedek as the king of what? Peace. peace. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of peace. The Bible says he's without father. The Bible says he's without mother. The Bible says he's without descent. The Bible says uh, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But made like unto the... Who's that? Who's the son of God? Jesus Christ. Who was Melchizedek? Melchizedek, I believe, was a was a Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you got to understand, in the Bible, you will often find the Lord Jesus Christ appearing in a bodily flesh, not by the name of Jesus, but still the person, because remember, the Godhead is a triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. You'll also find it in the book of Joshua. Remember when Joshua was praying in the field, getting ready to go out to war, and the Bible says that the, uh, a man of war came to him, and Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And Joshua, and the man said, he said, I'm neither for you or against you, but as a captain of the Lord of hosts am I come. And he said, take off thy feet where you're standing is holy ground, just like it told Moses. That was another, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. If you were with us while we were preaching through the book of Genesis, do you remember when the angel of the Lord appeared unto Jacob and he wrestled with him all night long? Remember that? That was Jesus Christ as well. So in the Old Testament, see, Jesus wasn't born of Mary. His body was housed or baked by Mary. But Jesus Christ is God without father, without mother. That's why the book of Revelation often says of Jesus Christ, it says He is the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending say the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. That's Jesus Christ. So Melchizedek, here's what I'm just saying. Melchizedek is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ appeared to Abraham. And Abraham tithed to Jesus Christ. By the way, you ought to tithe to Jesus Christ today. And and, uh, he was a priest of of the Most High God before the Levitical priest. Look at verse 4. Now consider how great this man was. I would say so. Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of his spoils. He says, wow, this man was so great, even Abraham tithed. To this man, Melchizedek, we verse 5. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi. So now we see the, the, the contrast. He says, now verily, they that are the sons of Levi. Why? Because the Levi is a Levitical priesthood. He says, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood. And they did. In Exodus 20, uh, 28 through 30, we've been reading that. Have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, Though they come out of the loins of Abraham, but he who whose descent is not counted from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And what that's talking about is that you would always have the the if you had two people and one was greater and one was less, the less always got blessed by the greater. And if you remember, because the Jews would often... Who's the number one man for the Jews? Abraham. When they kept talking to Jesus, they kept talking to Jesus. Well, we're Abraham's children. Well, we're Abraham's children. Remember they got upset when Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. And they wanted to stone him. So they kept going to Abraham, but now he's explaining to them, Look, the less is blessed to the better. And in Genesis, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. So Abraham was less than Melchizedek. And And Abraham tied to Melchizedek. Look at verse 7. And without contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is uh, witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes. Look what it says. Levi also who receiveth tithes. 
paid tithes in Abraham. Because obviously, Levi wasn't born yet. Abraham didn't have children yet. Abraham had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had Levi. And Levi was still in the loins of Abraham. And when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, Levi, or the Levitical priesthood, tithed to Melchizedek. You say, why say all that? Go back to Exodus 29. Here's what you need to understand. You're a priest tonight. Now, I'm not a Levitical priest. Don't let these religions tell you, well, it's wrong to say that you're a priest and you need a priest and, and you got to come to me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm a priest, but I'm a better priest than even the priest of Leviticus. I'm a priest of the order of Melchizedek because I was made a priest through the Lord Jesus Christ. A greater priesthood than that of yeah. Levi. Yeah. Now you say, well, why, why say all that? Why say all that to say this? You're a priest tonight. Amen. Yes, we are. So as we study Exodus and we study the priest, really, we're studying things that apply to you tonight. Because just like these men were priests, you and I are priests. Now the Bible says, Exodus 29, like I said, we're going to discuss how to hollow, how to consecrate, how to make sacred, how to set apart the priest. I'd like you to see number one. We've got to go through this quickly, okay? Number one, look at verse number two real quickly. Uh, Exodus chapter number 29, verse 2, the Bible says, an unleavened bread. Actually, let's just skip real quick. Go, go to verse number 4. And Aaron and his sons, thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt, notice next these words, wash them with water. So we're following the steps of how they consecrated the priest. Number one, the Bible says they washed them with water. Skip down to verse number 10 real quickly. We're going to have to go through this fast. Uh, look at verse 10. And thou shalt cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock, and thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock, and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger, and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. And thou shalt take all the fat that covereth the inwards, and the caul that is above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh of the bullock, and his skin, and his dung, shalt thou burn with fire uh, without the camp. Notice the last few words of that verse. It says, It is a sin offering. Now, I don't have time to go through and explain the different offerings. We'll do that when we preach through the book of Leviticus, we'll go and teach you all about the different offerings and all that. But what I'm trying to understand is the sin offering was an offering that they performed for their sin. So when it says in verse number 1, Thou shalt do unto them to hollow them. He says, here's what you're going to do to hollow the priest. Here's what you're going to do to make the priest holy. Here's what you're going to do to consecrate the priest. Number 1, the first thing they had to do was get their sin cleansed. The Bible says they wash their bodies with water as an uh, illustration or as a picture of being washed uh, by Jesus Christ. And then they offered a sacrifice for their sin. Go real quick. Give your finger there in Exodus 29. Go to 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. If you're going to be a priest tonight that is holy, that is consecrated, that is hallowed, that is prepared for the service of God, I'm here to tell you, step number 1 is you've got to take care of your sin problem. You've got to get your sin cleansed. Now if you're saved, we know you will never stand judgment for your sin. We understand that. But you know what? You and I sin every day. You say, what do we do? Go to 1 John chapter number 1. Very well-known verses. We've seen these verses in the past. Look at them again. 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, if we confess our sin. Do you see that? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to wash us. Cleanse. Cleanse. Same word, right? Mm -hmm. And to clean us and to cleanse us and to wash us from all 
says, let me tell you something. You're a priest tonight, but if you're going to be a priest that is holy, if you're going to be a priest that is hallowed, you're going to have to get to take care of your sin problem. So how do I take care of my sin problem? Well, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The priests had to physically wash their bodies and then offer a sacrifice that was a sacrifice, a sin offering. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be used of God, if you're going to be hollow, if you're going to be clean, you're going to have to learn to confess your sins to God. Look, oftentimes as you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will begin to move in your heart about things in your life. Oftentimes as, as, the, as the Word of God is preached, the, Word of, uh, the Holy Spirit will begin to move in your heart and you'll start realizing and you'll start feeling bad about things and you'll start realizing, man, I really got to take care of that or man, I've got that sin. Let me tell you something. The first thing you got to do, hey, we all have it. We all have sin. You say, what do I do? Get on your knees before God and just confess those sins. Admit those sins. There's something about confessing your sins before God. Sometimes, just today we were out soul winning, Brother Ron and Brother Vincent and I. And we had a young man, we gave him the whole gospel, went through and explained to him, and he just would not admit that he was a sinner. Or would not admit that he deserved to go to hell. Let me tell you something. You're not going to get very far with God without learning this word, confess. And they're like, I'm not your priest tonight. I am a priest, but I'm not your priest. Don't confess your sins to me. Don't confess your sins to some other man. Hey, take him straight to Jesus Christ. He's the high priest and go to Jesus. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He, Jesus Christ, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to go to all righteousness. That's what will get you. Number one, they have to get their sins cleansed. Number two, I got to do this quickly. Go, go back to Exodus 29. Look at verse number 5. Exodus 29. Look at this. We got to do this fast, okay? Exodus 29. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. And thou shalt put the mitra upon his head and put the holy crowns upon the mitra. And then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. You say, what is that anointing oil about? Well, real quickly, go to 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. 1 Samuel. If we don't have time to get through this tonight, it's going to be your fault, okay? 1 Samuel, chapter number 16, okay? 1 Samuel 16. Let's do it quickly. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to have to skip something. I probably will have to skip a few things, but let's just do it. Hey, I figure it's better to have so much to say that you're skipping it than to not have enough to say, and then you don't grow anything or learn anything, right? 1 Samuel 16, look at verse 13. Are you there yet? 1 Samuel 16, look at verse 13. Here we find the story of David when he's being chosen as the king of Israel. 1 Samuel 16, look at verse number 13. The Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil, same, same thing we're talking about, right? With, with, uh, with Aaron, the anointed him with oil. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And what happens when he got anointed? Look what it says. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Here's what you got to say. In the Bible, oil... Always, or I should say often, usually represents the Spirit of God. And the Bible illustrates that for us with with David, when literally, when Samuel poured that oil, and when that oil touched the head of David, the Bible says that the Spirit of of the Lord came upon him. Go with me real quickly, go to uh, 2nd... Second Corinthians chapter number one, just real quickly. Second Corinthians chapter number one. Second Corinthians chapter number one. I said number one, to be a hallowed priest, you're gonna have to get your sin cleansed. Number two, to be a hallowed priest, you're gonna have to get spirit filled. 
The anointing oil represents the indwelling or the, the filling or the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1? I want you to see this. Look at verse number 21. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number uh, 21. Uh, the Bible says, Now He which establisheth us with you in Christ hath anointed us in God. You see that? When you got saved, the Bible says you got anointed in the same way that David got anointed, the same way that the uh, high priest got anointed there. You were anointed for all, uh, verse 21, Now He which establishes us with you in Christ hath anointed us in God, look at verse 22, who hath also, look, no, notice this, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Do you see that? The Bible says when we are anointed, the next verse refers to the Spirit. Why? Because you're anointed with the Spirit. Now I want you to catch this, and please, please understand this. The Bible says you are sealed with the Spirit. That's eternal security. See, the Bible says when you got saved, when you got anointed, it says you were sealed with the Spirit. And then notice, look at verse 22. Who have also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. Now, Okay, let's just do this quickly, okay? That word earnest there, it's a, I like to, the best way I can describe it is using real estate terminology. Oftentimes, I don't know if they call it this anymore. I guess it was Blanca Brother Sergio would know. So don't correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, often, I, I think they still do this, or they call it, but often when someone is looking to purchase a home or purchase a property, they would say, well, uh, you need to put down some earnest money. And uh, usually it's like $1,000. You put down that money, and they call that earnest money. And what that means is you put down that money there, and you say, I'm, I'm giving you $1,000 to let you know that I am serious and I'm coming back to purchase this home. And here's the thing. If you walk away from that home and you say, I don't want to buy it anymore, I just change my mind, you lose that money. That's, that's called earnest money. Well, the Bible says that God gave us the earnest of His Spirit. You know what that means? That means that Jesus Christ, when you got saved, He sealed you with the Spirit. He gave you His Spirit. And here's what He said. Here's what that means. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back to redeem you. And here's the thing. If God ever decides to step away from the deal and say, you know what? I decided I don't want to purchase the church of God. Guess what, guess what happens? He loses His Spirit. Because if you put earnest money down, you lose the money. If he put his Holy Spirit down and he said, well, I'll lose my Holy Spirit. Well, God can't lose his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen. See, that, that's why we believe in eternal security. Because he put his Holy Spirit on the line. He said, I'll put my Spirit on the line. That I will come back and I will redeem them. There will be a rapture. There will be a resurrection. Why? Because God will not lose the earnest of his Spirit. He gave us the earnest of his Spirit. He sealed us with His Spirit. And by the way, let me tell you this. There are those who preach today who will say, well, when you get saved, you don't get all of the Spirit. And when you get saved, you don't get all of the... You know, they'll say, you have to get the fullness of the Spirit. They'll say, it'll come in, in, in sections. And first you'll just get a little bit of it. And then you'll get more of it. And then you'll, when you got them all, you'll speak in tongues and you'll do all these things. Hey, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, when I got anointed, I got sealed and I got the earnest of the Spirit. I got all of the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. He may not have got all of me, but I got all of Him. He sealed me with that Spirit. If you're going to be a priest that's hollowed, I said, number one, you're going to have to get your sin cleansed. Number two, you're going to have to get Spirit filled. Number three. Actually, you know, let me show you this real quick. Go, go, go to First John. What time is it? Good night. First John. Okay, we got 15 minutes. First John. We can do this fast. First John chapter number 2. First John chapter number 2. Look at verse number uh, 27. First John chapter number 2. Look at verse number 27. First John 2.27. 
First John 2.27 But the anointing What is that? That's the Holy Spirit But the anointing Which ye have received of him Abideth in you See the anointing abides in me And ye need not that any man teach you But as the same anointing teacheth you All things That is truth And, um, and is no lie And even as it hath taught you Ye shall abide in him See the Bible says He abides in you You abide in him And by the way It's the Holy Spirit's job To teach you the Bible that's why oftentimes I'll be preaching, I'll be preaching the Bible, and people will come up to me after the service, and they'll say, "Pastor, you touched on this one thing, and man, it really changed my life, and I really understand that, and I really see that." And, and, and I say, "Man, praise the Lord, God bless you." And they walk away, and I think to myself, "I, my sermon had nothing to do with that." <laughs> but see, it's not my job to teach you the Bible. See, I, I, I write the sermon, and I study it out, and I get my points, and I get my illustration, and I know what I'm trying to teach you, but guess what? Sometimes God takes His Word, and the Holy Spirit working inside of you, and He'll begin to work in you in ways that I... Look, it would be impossible for me to preach a sermon that would touch the lives of 25 different people. I mean, I know you think I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. But the Holy Spirit working inside of you. That's why the Bible says that we must acknowledge the Spirit when He's working. And when He begins to show us things in our lives that maybe we need to change or fix. And you just got to confess those and get right with those and get the sin. You say, I'd like to be a hallowed priest. Get the sin cleansed. Number two, get Spirit filled. Number three, go to Exodus 29. Exodus 29. We're almost done. This is the last point. And then I've got a conclusion. And the conclusion has three points, but don't worry about that. Okay, I'm just kidding. Exodus 29. Look at verse uh, number uh, 15. Exodus 29. Look at verse number 15. The Bible says in Exodus 29. Oh, good night. I've only been preaching for half an hour. You guys need to stop pressuring me. Exodus 29. Look at verse, uh, what did I tell you? 15. Exodus 29, verse 15. Where are we? Okay. Exodus 29, 15. This says, uh, uh, Exodus 29, 15. Thou shalt also take one ram... And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram, and thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood, and sprinkle it round about the altar, and thou shalt cut the ram in pieces, and, sh- and wash the inwards of him, and his legs, and put them upon his pieces, and upon his head, and thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a, notice this, burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. I'll go through and teach you all about the offerings and when we preach through Leviticus. Okay, just hang tight. But what you need to understand, they had two sacrifices, a sin offering, dealing with their sin. Number two, they had a burnt offering, a burnt offering. You say, what is the burnt offering about? Keep your finger there in Exodus 29. Go with me to John chapter number 5. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 5. The burnt offering. What you got to understand about the burnt offering is that the burnt offering was an offering of... Devotion. It was an offering of giving yourself away. The burnt offering was called the burnt offering because when you gave it to God, the whole thing was to be burnt. Okay. See, the other sacrifices, you had the meat offering. The meat offering, I know it's confusing, but the meat offering was like uh, breads. Because in the Bible, meat is the word, our modern day word, food. Our modern day word meat in the Bible is flesh. So the meat offering was just food, like grains, they made cakes and different things. Then you had these different sacrifices where you would burn them, but, but the priest would eat those also, and they would do different things with them. But the burnt offering, you just set it on the altar there, and you burned the whole thing till it was gone. You say, what did that represent? That represented a devoted life. What that represented was 
that when you gave that burnt offering, you were saying, God, I'm giving myself completely to you. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not taking anything back. I'm going to allow myself to completely be burnt and devoted for you. Are you there in John chapter 5? Look at verse number 33. The Bible says this about John the Baptist. You heard of John the Baptist? He was a good man. John chapter number 5, look at verse 33. It says, Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I received not a testimony from man. But these things say that ye may be saved. Look what it says. This is what the Bible says about John the Baptist. He was a burning and a shining light. And he were willing for a season to rejoice in his life. See, the burnt offering represented a man like John the Baptist who said, I am fully willing to give myself to God. He said, I will burn and I will... Here's a word I'm trying to look. I will be consumed for God. See, number one, if you're going to be a priest, it's going to be hollowed. You're going to have to get your sin cleansed. Number two, you're going to have to get spirit filled. But number three, you're going to have to get sold out. Amen. See, the burnt offering, you were like, well, we're going to burn some of the offering, but I'm going to take this leg here, and I'm going to eat that, or I'm going to take this you know, part here, or I'm going to take the breast here. No, the whole thing was burnt for God. It was saying, hey, I'm sold out. Hey, I'm going to give you all that I have. I'm going to give it all to you, God. Go to... 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. Let me show you another verse. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. Uh, look at verse number 15. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. Look at verse 15. The Apostle Paul said this. You know, sometimes, don't misunderstand me, okay? We, we want to serve people, and we need to serve people. Amen. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12.15, the Apostle Paul, I believe one of the reasons he was the, one of the greatest men used to God in the Bible is because of this verse right here. The Bible says, this is what he said. He said, and I will very gladly spend. Notice what he says. He says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Isn't that amazing? That a pastor, that a preacher, that a man of God would say to his people there. He said, hey listen, Church of Corinth. I, I will more gladly spend, and I would be spent. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm devoted. He said, I am giving myself to you. But notice what he said. Here's a sad statement. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. This is a sad statement that the Apostle Paul made. He says, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's a sad statement, but the Bible says that he was willing to spend and be spent. The Bible says about John the Baptist that he was a burning fire. These men were consumed. These men were given fully to God. These men had decided, you know, I'm telling you, if you're going to be a priest that's hollowed, you're going to have to be a priest that's sold out. They gave a sin offering to take care of their sin. They got anointed to get spirit filled. And then they gave a burnt offering to say, I'm sold out. I'm giving myself completely to God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what my family says. I don't care if they say I'm in a cult. I don't care if they say that I'm weird. I don't care if they call me a radical. He said, I'm going to sell out for God. That's what they did. Go back to uh, Exodus 29. Look at verse 19. Exodus 29. Look at verse number 19. Ah, good night. Exodus 29, 19. Okay, we're doing good. Exodus 29, 19. Look, look at verse 19. And thou shalt take other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Then shalt thou kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon... Now listen, l- l- listen, it's very, very interesting. Then thou, Verse 20. Then shalt thou kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon... Look what it says. They're, they took the blood of the sacrifice, and they put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron... And upon the tip of the right ear of his sons. And upon the thumb of their right hand. And upon the great toe of their right foot. And sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. So what is that about? 
Well, I don't know and you don't either. <laughs> but if I have to give you my opinion, I would say that, they, because they just got done giving the burnt offering, right? Which means they gave themselves completely. They were consumed for God. And then he takes the blood and he says, well, just to make sure you understand what it means to be consumed, he said, I'm going to put blood. And he said, I, he put a little blood on their ear. And he said, I'm going to take some blood and I'm going to put a little blood on your thumb. And he said, I'm going to take the blood and I'm going to put a little thumb on your thumb. Go to Romans real quickly. Romans chapter number 10. You say, what does that mean? Well, I, this is what I believe it means. You ever, you ever heard this song growing up in church? Maybe if you grew up in church like I did. You may have heard this song before they were singing. They would say, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why? For your Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then you say, Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. For your Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Then we were saying, Oh, be careful, little feet, where you walk. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you walk. And we were saying, Oh, be careful, little lips, what you say. Oh, be careful, little lips. What were they teaching us with those songs? They're, they're teaching them. If you're going to give yourself to God, you've got to give all of you to God. Mm-hmm. What you see, look at you people. Why do you guys preach about this and that? You preach about the stuff we watch on the television. Well, because the things you look at, see, if you're going to be consumed to God, you got to give yourself fully to God. He said, he said, we just consumed this fire and we just gave ourselves to God. But let me show you what that means. He said, let me put some blood on your ear just to remind you. What you listen to belongs to God. He said, let me put some blood on your hand because what you touch, where you go, belongs to God. He said, let me put some t- uh, blood on, on your foot there because what, what you go belongs to God. Are you there in Romans? Look at this very interesting verse. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 14. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. The Bible says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? This is about soul winning, by the way. And how shall they hear without a preacher? I wish some of you would get a hold of this verse and realize the world's not going to get saved without somebody going on and telling it says, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they supposed to get saved if they don't believe? Well, how, are they, how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they preach without a preacher? Look at verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's so many times. As it is written, how beautiful, I love this. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The Apostle Paul must have never seen my feet, obviously, because he wrote that. But you know what it says? How beautiful are your feet. You say, I want to have beautiful feet. I'm going to go get a pedicure. You know what you ought to do if you want to have beautiful feet? You ought to go out soul winning. That's what you ought to do. Or you can do what my, my wife and Miss Blanca did once. They went out soul winning, then they got their pedicure. Amen! Hey, praise God! They got their spiritual beautiful feet, and then they got their you know, physical beautiful feet, or whatever. But you know what? The Bible says when you give yourself to God, Said everything belongs to him. See, if you say, Well, I've given God every area of my life except, you know, I have a pastor. I don't watch any TV anymore except there's this one show that I still, you know. Well, you haven't given yourself fully to God. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it all. But I just, I don't know about this tithing thing. Then you haven't given yourself fully to God. Pastor, what I'm going to do is, look, whatever you're holding back, if you're holding back, you haven't given it to God. So uh, how am I going to be a hollow priest? Well, you're going to be a hollow priest, number one, by getting your sin cleansed. Number two, by getting your getting spirit filled. And number three, by getting sold out. Amen. 
It's the only way it works. Say, well, why, why do all that? Okay, go to Exodus 29. We'll, we're done right here. Exodus 29. Why does it matter? If you go down to verse 21 real quickly, look what it says. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and upon the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his, gar- uh, and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And look what it says. He shall be hallowed. You see that? So they would be hallowed, they would be sanctified, they would be holy after they did these things. And his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments with him. You say, well, why does it matter? Why do I need to be hallowed? Why do I need to be, uh, why do I need my sin clean? Why do I need to be spirit-filled? Why do I need to be sold out? Well, here's why. Go back to verse number one. We're done right here. And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them, to hallow them. Well, we figured out what did they do to hollow them. We saw what they did. But why did they hollow them? Look what it says. To hollow them, comma, here's why, to minister unto me in the priest's office. See, often you and I want to be used of God. I think, we, I think we would all say, I don't think you'd be here on a Wednesday night if you didn't want to be used of God. But what you've got to understand is that if you're going to minister to the Lord in the priest's office, you're going to be, have to be hollowed first. And to be hollowed, you're going to have to take care of your sin. You're going to have to get spare filled. You're going to have to get sold out. Look, God only uses vessels that are ready for His use. Mm-hmm. See, I want to be... I don't know about you, but I want God to use me. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I want God to use me in my life. I, got, I want God to use me to minister to my family, to minister to my, uh, to, my, to my spiritual church family, to minister to the community. I want God to use me. Hey, I want the Spirit of God upon my life. I want to be sold out. And I, I, I want God to use me. And here's the thing. While, God, while I minister to others, really I'm ministering to God. But you will never do that until you're hollow. See, that's, that's where these charismatic Christian ecumenical churches have lost it. Because they've got a whole lot of ministering, but they don't have a lot of holiness. They preach a lot on, on ministering, and they preach about, well, let's serve here, and let's do this, and let's build a, you know, let, let's build a school in Africa, and let's build a hospital in India, and let's, uh, you know, make a well in Venezuela. They want to do all this, but they don't preach holiness. They don't preach being consecrated. They don't preach being separated. They don't be, hey, we got to get back to a place in our country, and especially at Verity Baptist Church, where we would say, I'm going to take care of my sin, and I'm going to get the Spirit of God upon me, and I'm going to get sold out, and then, and then, will we be able to serve God and minister to God? Amen. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church, Lord. And I pray you please help us as we leave here tonight. That we would realize, Father, that our purpose in life is to serve and minister to you. That's our purpose. And the only way we can do that is if we're hollowed. Is if we're consecrated. Is if we're called out. If we're separated. The Bible says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for those who came out on a Wednesday night. I pray they would leave here tonight and not just be another time where they say, Well, that was nice. But that a work through the Holy Spirit would be done in our lives. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's take our songbooks and we'll.